You're listening to a curated podcast from the Beyond Infinity radio program broadcast live on Tuesdays from 11am from our Mornington studios in Victoria, Australia. Listen live on 98.7 or 98.3 FM or stream live from rwpfm.com.au. Presented by me, Piers Cunningham. And me, John Young. Nissan, which is a uh, well conventional car maker, they've been around for years, it's a Japanese make, they're renowned for their, well, a whole range of cars, four-wheel drives are pretty good, but also their small cars and their electric vehicle, the Leaf, has been on sale since 2010, and it's actually the highest selling electric car in the world, mm, like yeah. miles ahead of anything that Tesla does or any other. Well, Tesla's quite high, high priced as well. That's right, yeah. different different market segment. Yeah. But they've sold more than uh, 290,000 Leafs worldwide, 114,000 of them in the US. There's now an all new Leaf, which has got more power, better technology, and costs less money. So a pretty attractive proposition from all accounts. It comes with a 40 kilowatt hour battery pack, which gives a range of about 240 kilometers on a full charge. There is going to be a 60 kilowatt hour battery, longer range battery, that'll be released in 2019. It'll cost a bit more, but it will give you extra range if that's sort of crucial. 240Ks for a lot of people in particularly urban environments mm. is really pretty ample. Yeah. A little bit of information about this new Leaf. It's got new styling. It looks different to the old one. If you only plug it into a, a say, a 110 volt power plug in the US or 240 in Australia, it could take uh, up to 35 hours to charge your vehicle from, so from zero. So very slow. slow. Charge, but yeah. one of the things that they're doing, and I imagine other, other car makers will do the same thing, you can, you know, if you buy an SV or an SL trim, you know, kind of going up the spec range for this model, you can get yourself one that'll charge quickly. And Sounds a bit like net neutrality for uh, cars in terms of, you know, you haven't got an equal charging rate for all batteries. Right. You've got a paid tier level. I don't know if I agree. And that's been a big story in the news actually recently, but we'll, we will try to cover that because it's a pretty hot issue in the States at the moment. Moves against net neutrality, which is basically what gives the small guys access to the internet over, over the big ones. But that's another story. Back to the Leaf. So you can pay for the faster ability to charge with the higher models. You can also get a very good storage space the boot is big i think it's uh, about 600 liters of storage so quite a practical car yeah 668 liters of cargo room apparently the driving positions it's kind of been criticized that's one of the few little chinks in the armor of this car it's well priced it competes well against the chevy bolt or the bmw i3 it uses regenerative braking you can pretty much drive it with one foot so you sort of push push down the accelerator you get that instant Mm -hmm. you know big torquey power on immediately and then if you take your foot off effectively it's like putting the brakes on there is a brake pedal as well mm-hmm. and they've kind of engineered it to behave like a normal car because people aren't used to sort of driving with one pedal but essentially that's what an electric car does mm. you know it's like a dodgem car really yeah. take your foot off you slow or you stop it doesn't have self-driving technology like a tesla but it does have a combination of adaptive cruise control which uses radar to keep your speed constant to a car ahead of you and it uses lane keep assist which uses optical sensors to read lane markers where they exist then the steering to keep you centered within them it gives you some pretty dire warnings if you know for example if it can't find the the, the lines on the side of the 
road. And this is one of the things actually that uh, that can be an issue with Teslas because the, 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 the self-driving technology, which is different to what the Leaf has, it's more advanced, it needs to be able to see lines on the side mm. of the road. And if it can't, then it can't drive itself. Yep just a fact of life but so they're really kind of designed for highway driving but it is considered in the review that i read which was uh, on ars technica we'll post links to this but they regarded it as a, a pretty competent car range more than sufficient for most people good performance well priced compared with competitors that good storage and cargo capacity so really aimed at people that can't afford a tesla but would like a low operating and maintenance cost on an electric vehicle absolutely yeah. and one that's you know they've nissan's got the advantage because they've had the experience of, of you know doing high volume EVs already mm. selling more than 290,000 worldwide mm. since 2010 yep. so a good car to, to get a hold of if you are looking for an EV I'm not sure when or if they're going to be available in Australia but okay. they're certainly available elsewhere in the US for example now Google Maps if you uh, you know like everyone you know it's forget how to even read a map you just rely on your phone to tell you how to get everywhere whether you're on foot on a bike or in the car and it'll give you turn by turn instructions well the kind of chink in the armor has been that it previously hasn't told you exactly when to get off public transport if you're using that bit of a bugbear if you're traveling you're not familiar with the location and you're sort of having to constantly monitor the screen to find out what's the next stop and what stop do I have to get off so that to me that has been a frustration uh, even Victoria on occasion and even overseas yeah so this is is about to be released in beta i believe and basically it will now do that so if you're on sitting on a train or a tram or a bus and you're waiting to find your right stop instead of actually having to look on it on as you move along the route say okay well that's where i've got to go because that's the the nearest road to where my final destination is it'll this, alert this, you it might buzz on your phone exactly and yeah, it'll say okay yeah. this is where this is the stop that you get off yeah. and it'll give you warnings before you do that so really handy uh, addition to that great software app that can be run on all different kinds of phone google apps and just finally for me before i hand it over to john bose the quiet comfort 35 it's i'm lucky enough to have a pair of these i bought them uh, the first generation yeah the first yeah. generation they're a noise cancelling wireless bluetooth headphone there's now the qc 35 2 which basically looks sounds and performs just like the original except for one fundamental feature and that is there's a new action button on the left ear cup so all the other controls are on the right ear cup and on the left side you've now got a button which will activate google assistant which actually runs on android or ios and that's kind of your go-to thing if you want to ask questions you want to use your voice to do things that you would have previously done getting, by punching in getting you know. integrated into everything you can yep. think of now yeah yep otherwise as i said it's exactly the same that action button can be configured to do other things for example to adjust the level of noise cancelling you've got because mm -hmm. the the headphones really are very good at cancelling out noise if but it can be to your detriment if you if you want to be able to hear someone or something that's going to happen mm -hmm. around you you can actually instead of that new button on the second version of these headphones being used to activate the Google Assistant, you can use it to adjust the level of uh, noise cancelling on the headphones. It can sense movement, can't it? So if you're moving at a quick speed, I think it allows more ambient noises from around your environment in so that you know if you were walking along a street and there was a car coming up behind you, you at least can hear that car versus if you were sitting down at home in the couch and just wanting to sort of drown the, the world away, mm. then uh, I think then it's up to the full cancellation, isn't it? You can control it either through through the app or now with this with this button if you choose not to use it for as, as, a, as a way of activating google assistant and actually if you've had the first set of headphones and i only discovered this this morning if you push down the button in the center which you use say to take a call if you're mm -hmm. listening to music it would interrupt the music pause the music and then say 
um, you know, someone's calling you mm-hmm. and you push the button that would answer the phone call. Well, if you're listening to music and you hold that button down, it'll actually activate Siri on your iOS device. Oh, so right. it's always yep. been able to do that with, with Siri. Yep. They've now added the functionality of Google Assistant. So still a good head find. There are other ones out there which may offer better sound, but for, for noise cancelling and for comfort, I think the uh, the Bose QC35 II or the first edition of that is a pretty hard to beat headphone. You can check our website if you want to hear a, a a more detailed review about that. John, what have you got for us? Well, Amazon in Australia is a sort of a week into its product sales. So last week we reported that they had sort of turned on the functionality and added new categories into the existing Amazon Australia website, which previously it only had books and um, you know, music that you could download. Now you can gain access to different products. The problem with that is, on the one hand, Amazon have come out and said that they were very happy with the first day sales and the, the following days. And mm. they said that it's been a, a great success. And I think they even stated that the sort of the launch of their the products here in Australia was better than some launches in other countries. Right. But the, the tone that I've read online is not necessarily equated to that, that same ex- enthusiasm from Amazon. A lot of people were suggesting that the pricing hasn't actually been that great. You can compare products from their store there or versus, say, other electronic stores such as JB Hi-Fi or, or others online. And the pricing isn't necessarily that great on Amazon for certain products. There's some that, sure, there's going to be a huge discount, but there are some products which are just not really at this stage necessarily competing. Mm. But one of the bugbears which seems to have been highlighted recently is that Amazon have access to so many different reviews from existing customers in America. So because they've been around for many years and they've had so many millions of products available, they've had lots of user reviews that have been added back to the Amazon America site and other countries. But here in Australia, it appears that they're not utilizing those reviews. So it's causing maybe someone to buy something without having the prior knowledge. As an example, there's a Kindle case. So if you purchased a Kindle and you wanted to then protect that, that Kindle, you might look at one of their genuine Amazon cases, which they sell for $84.95. It's designed by Amazon. It snaps perfectly on there. There are no ratings on the Australian version of Amazon, yet over on Amazon.com, they've actually got 170 reviewers that actually give it an average of two out of five star rating. To me, ratings certainly uh, help influence the decision because yep. you can straight away learn if it's a good or a bad uh, product. Ask the crowd. And I, I would be looking at that and I probably wouldn't buy it. So it, it's a little bit disappointing. Look, it's it's only a week in. So we mm. know that there's plenty more that they can do. Mm. They might be looking at, say, Boxing Day sales as a huge time to launch more products. They're probably trying to make sure that things are working well in the factory, like in the warehouse at this stage, which is in Dandenong. And they had a huge day of, you know, a few days or week of getting things out. And so it's probably about ramping that up. And so, look, I know it'll improve but it's a little bit of a letdown for some people including myself that it was a bit lackluster this first week do they post anything like you know usually there's a sort of a cutoff that you've got to order if you're trying to get stuff delivered by Christmas have, do you know do, have you got any oh, look, idea I'm sure they do have cutoff I haven't actually seen that yet because mm. I'm not being kept my own products for mm. that mm. Uh, I would think that a lot of uh, regular online providers are probably looking at the next couple of days as absolute cutoffs mm. uh, if they haven't got there already that's yep. right yep. so if you're looking to buy Christmas presents and want them delivered before Christmas I'd definitely be getting in today or tomorrow. And I think yeah. Amazon's got a deal if you if you spend more than sixty Australian dollars on products, you get free shipping, free, free shipping to, to the vast vast majority of so, uh, urban areas in Australia. And there are certainly some good deals where you know there, there might be a. In, 
10 or 20% less than in-store retail deals. Mm. But at the moment, they're sort of few and far between. Mm. And we haven't seen any sort of big discounts or sales come out just yet. So right. keep an eye on that. Now, earlier in the year, you reported that Telstra are going to offer some refunds or compensate customers due to poor NBN speeds. Optus have now advised they'll be doing the same. It looks like about 8,700 customers will be receiving uh, some sort of compensation for basically uh, poor speeds or being misled about the plans. There's customers that had sort of purchased the 100 down, 40 up speeds, but we're getting nowhere close to that. So if you're an Optus customer, maybe check out what speeds you've been getting. You might be up for some kind of uh, compensation direct from them. If you're looking to change, uh, they're also including the sort of the no cost end of contract as well. It does appear that there's you know uh, ongoing issues with speed deliverables and you're not being able to achieve this. I'm not sure how or when it can get fixed, um, but if you are having some troubles, then please uh, speak to your provider about maybe getting some kind of compensation. Mm-hmm. Now, NVIDIA have just announced a brand new, very powerful graphics process, and it looks like the, the most powerful ever made. So this is a story from Mashable. The GPU contains 21.1 billion transistors, and that delivers 110 teraflops of horsepower. <laughs> and that's wow. nine times that of any other NVIDIA processor. And so, sort for, of gaming, Bitcoin mining, yeah, exactly. bunch of different high end sort of specific applications. At this stage, very high end kind of gaming uh, operations or high intensity graphics. So, it could be some kind of 3D type environment if you're a designer. VR, that kind of stuff. VR, mm. exactly. Uh, but so, this is the sort of thing that we would expect to see is probably become standard in five to 10 years. Mm. So, it's a huge jump. I mean, for perspective, the Xbox One X delivers only about six teraflops, and, and we're talking about 110 teraflops for. Wow. And big numbers here. So mm. we'll, we'll put links to that in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. And just finally from me, we have talked about this in the past, but basically Boeing, who do have contracts with NASA, are looking to beat SpaceX to Mars. It's good to see some healthy competition. Now, when it was announced some time ago, SpaceX were somewhat quiet on the matter. They hadn't come out, but they have finally, Elon Musk has basically come out and basically said, do it. Come on, he wants that. Bit of competition. Bit of, bit of competition. Rev them up a bit. So they have been talking. That's using the Constellation rocket. That's that's the uh, big new heavy lift rocket, which has got the same kind of lift capability, I think even more than the Saturn V moon rocket so this is yep. the, this is a kind of nasa boeing alternative to the spacex yes, yep. moon, moon rocket which will be the the uh, the falcon heavy so there was some talks about having it launch in 2019 but at this stage it's probably going to slip to uh, 2020 before there's a sort of launch mm. that does look like they'll use the moon to slingshot around mm. and, and gain their way to, to mars mm. look, as we do we'll keep an eye on all these uh, mars stories and, and transit there so. if they go to mars they may have a better chance of finding life than expected because it's bunch of researchers have been looking at bacteria in Antarctica, which is basically a very cold, very dry, very inhospitable place for life. And they've actually found thriving bacteria communities living in soil in Antarctica, in the deserts of Antarctica, because there's big, very dry deserts. I think some of the driest places in the world are in Antarctica. And they've found that they're, they're full of really thriving bacteria and that these bacteria do not rely on any nutrition from the soil at all. They can live purely off atmospheric H2, CO2 and and CO, which provide dependable sources of energy and carbon to support these communities, which suggests that atmospheric energy sources can provide an alternative basis for ecosystem function to solar or geological energy sources. That's according to these researchers who've been looking at Antarctica. So instead of following the water that NASA's been doing to find possible signs of life in the past on Mars, it could be that there are actual communities of life Mm -hmm. in a a microbial level that have actually survived 
without even access to any nutrition at all, just an atmosphere. So, uh, you know, oxygen, carbon dioxide can be enough to live off. So is it a suggestion that this life form is potentially foreign to the world or is is it just that it's been able to grow in this environment? Exactly. No, it's it's like, you know, like life forms that live at the bottom of the ocean, you know, near vents Mm -hmm. and stuff where there's there's a heat source and they use chemosynthesis to live. So there's no suggestion these are actually alien life forms, Mm -hmm. but it's just suggesting that life can live without nutrition in the conventional sense. You don't need water that you know the atmosphere alone so if you have an exoplanet for example that's got atmosphere of oxygen then that might be enough to be an ingredient for life thanks for listening and head to beyondinfinity.com.au for the best bits from the live show or to connect with us on social media we welcome your feedback and suggestion for future shows